Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. Again, we are talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And back with us on the show is Ryan Dalton uh, with uh, Legible Scrawl. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, in today's episode, we are digging into Minute 7, which starts with Obadiah filling in for Tony and ends with Rhodey reprimanding Tony. (laughs) Okay, to our commentary (laughs) yesterday about Jeff Bridges, we hear him speaking in this minute, and I'm forced to ask, where did Jeff Bridges put all the marbles that he usually has in his mouth? (laughs) He sounds terrific here. (laughs) <laughs> he's doing his presidential character that he, he's got the presidential character the dude and his rooster Cogburn. <laughs> those are the jeff bridges that we have so this is the presidential very business like jeff bridges and it, it works nicely here it does um i i, I want to start back just at the very start of this minute just because we get one look from Rhodes that i love which is a very veiled i'm smiling but i'm gonna punch that fool when i see him <laughs> 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 but he very graciously hands over. And then, yeah, Jeff Bridges, you, as soon as he starts talking, you can tell, okay, this is a guy who is used to being in front of people. He's used to being in front of cameras. And there is some polish almost to the point where it's a, uh, almost a touch slimy, but uh, it's definitely this guy is uh, not afraid of being up there. Not afraid. And he pulls it all off. He looks genuinely appreciative to be there and to be receiving this on behalf of tony like it is i I think that's the almost slimy bit is that even though it feels like it should be slimy he pulls it off in a way that makes you feel bad for for liking it that's a great way of putting that yeah (laughs) well and that's that is something that plays well in the film because for those people who went into this not having read any of the comic books and who didn't know who Obadiah Stane was as a villain of Tony's, you would think, OK, he's this corporate guy and he fits well into Tony's corporate world. He's kind of got that corporate sleaziness about him, but he doesn't seem like he's the bad guy in the movie. And I think that's an interesting uh, choice that they went with here to to play with uh, kind of that corporate slime a little bit. But you don't get that read on him as an antagonist yet. Yeah, agreed. I love that look. I love that you point out that Rhodes look, too, because you can see every muscle in his face is tense, (laughs) right? It's just these hard stone lines underneath his skin stretched over it. He looks really mad Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, like he's almost going to cry. He's just like forcing so much back. Well, and as Jeff uh, or as Obadiah is walking up to the stage, he's got that look like where he's he's trying not to shake his head. And he's got that like where his his tongue is like you know, up on his upper lip and he's just like licking his lip like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Like it's just here we here we are again. Familiar territory is the is the vibe that I get here. And, you know, we we didn't make a, a, a big point about the fact that we are in Las Vegas. And for what we know about Tony Stark already, what we've learned in the first few minutes in the in the Humvee, you know, as he's you know, we're getting hints of his sort of gigolo-ness. Uh, here we have in Stark Relief. <laughs> There, I did it again. I did it. Uh, it was my turn this time. Here we are in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. This is the pinnacle of exactly who Tony is at this point in the movie. But we don't see him until this very minute as we transition away from uh, this awards presentation into 
uh, the real Tony. Yeah, we're going from a set that is is supposed to be the uh, Caesar's Palace ballroom uh, to the actual Caesar's Palace. We cut and they are actually filming in the real Caesar's Palace on the casino floor at the craps table. And it's a it's a nice little location uh, option that they ended up getting. Uh, to film here i think that they it was the very last day of production and they were filming at like it was a midnight to noon uh you know window of time that they had to film so it's just like the worst way to have to film because your body clock just can't adjust to that that's interesting i I didn't realize that uh i do love the the juxtaposition of the the line that we get from stain right before we transition that you know the 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 thing about tony is that he's he's always working and then we flip over to the exact opposite of that right Um, (laughs) and we get we get a great contrast from okay here's the corporate line and then here's this guy who cares nothing about the corporate line yeah, it's it's a great uh, transition. And again, we had already seen that playboy element of Tony at the beginning of the film when he's with the troops in the Humvee. But it just it works so nicely here. And it gives us that version of of Tony Stark that Stan Lee really envisioned way back in the in the early days. And if you look back at that first uh, issue of Tales of Suspense and you you see the uh, uh, you see Tony, uh, like all the setup with him, with all the chicks and everything. It's like this is that minute. He's got a woman on each side of him. Uh, you know, the there's Stacy uh, Stass, who's on screen left of Tony and uh, Lauren Cyphers on screen right, who was Miss Nevada at the time um, as as these two women who are just cheering him on. And and uh, it's uh, it it feels so appropriate for the character of Tony Stark. Appropriate in just how wildly inappropriate it is, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> exactly. and that is, uh, you, you know, that's always the question when you see this sort of stuff is how well does does that hold up of the character? It's a funny thing, given what Robert Downey Jr. has said of his uh, kind of responsibility in the role, uh, that this is as sort of culturally dark as he gets right this sequence and um you know th- that starts with this minute and um you know plays on for a little bit in the film but it's it is the it's kind of the lowest that we see that he will stoop in terms of his portrayal as a, of a human not just of a superhero and uh it it's interesting to see them walk that line uh, you know portraying this guy who really is he's he's not good and it's funny if you uh the script it's hard to say what they were going for in this particular scene. I think the uh, amount of kind of improv freedom that John Favreau gave uh, the actors, especially uh, Robert Downey Jr., allowed for a little more natural stuff in the script. This I'm going to just read you the dialogue that Tony has as he's he's winning. It says in between roles, he whispers into one woman's ear. And this is what he says. You think we're having a moment here, but this is actually the logical conclusion of several mathematical truisms. Your hypothalamus is flooding your system with a chain of proteins called peptides so that every cell in your body is opening itself up to the happy chemical oxytocin. Then the woman seriously turned on. That's wow. Then Tony, hold on a second. He rolls again. The table is hot. More cheers. Then back to Tony. So now your limbic system is positively throbbing. A Kirlian photograph of us right now occupying this space would show serious subatomic particles being exchanged between us with a rapidity that transcends. Are you getting this? You will be quizzed. And then he sees Rhodey come up. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> 
That's I can't even different. imagine that being in the movie. You know, I, I mean, I, I can imagine Robert Downey Jr. pulling that off, but at the same time, he's able to convey everything you need to see and know about him at the moment without saying any of that. Yeah, I feel like they were still feeling the need even after the PowerPoint presentation, uh, the PowerPoint exposition presentation that we just had setting up the genius side of Tony Stark. I feel like they still had to find a way to say, we're going to show it to you now. And it just it was really over the top. Well, what's so interesting about that is that he feels like it, like that's such a, I don't know, diabolical way to talk to somebody, you know, super manipulative. But it also has these weird hints of secret identity that, you know, here's a guy who is not everything that you see. You know, it's it's the Bruce Wayne syndrome. And I, I, I think it's it would have been a mistake to include that in the movie as they build this sort of new version of Tony Stark, Iron Man. To, to make him too Bruce Wayne-y. I agree. It, it would add a, a level of calculation to his part, like the, the partying playboy side of him, when really I, I think it's, it's more powerful when it's not like that. He, he's yeah. not sitting there running through calculations for, for seduction or things. He's, he's just being him. Uh, and I think that rings a lot more true and, and feels a, a lot less uh, overwritten. Yeah, because even the character in the comic book was never, never quite like that. And I just felt like this was the writers really having fun and, and saying, oh, let's just make him so over the top with his his genius that this is how he's flirting. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it's one of those things that I think it's kind of a, a fun read, but in reality, it just would never have played. Yeah, it would be fun to have like a DVD extra where you, you see him saying that just as a scene they knew they were going to cut. Uh, but the scene is much stronger for for not having gone that way. It definitely is. Definitely true. I, I you know, back to that transition uh, from Obadiah at the podium to Tony. The first shot we get of Tony is it, it's really beautiful because it's not just a change of context that we get in the character, right? The the one who's, uh, you know, he's making the play that Tony's always at work and clearly Tony is not always at work. It is visually jarring and it, it's one of the strengths of the transition that we're now actually in a casino. Yes, we're at a presentation in Caesar's Palace, but we know what's really going on. And now what's really going on is we are essentially from the reverse perspective of the table as Tony throws the dice, uh, you know, right at the camera. And um, I I, I find a great affinity to that transition. I, I love what they do there and I love how they shoot, um, you know, the massive crowd around Tony, not just the two women, but, uh, you know, as, as you know, we see Rhodey kind of making his way through the crowd and we see the compression of bodies all together. I think they handle that really nicely. Yeah, it's, an, it's kind of a nice little wide angle shot from the craps table and uh, it, it sets it up very nicely. And uh, you do also get to meet Happy Hogan. Uh, his right-hand man uh, standing behind him, of course, played by director John Favreau. Perks of the job. Perks of the job. <laughs> uh, Happy Hogan uh, premiered in Tales of Suspense, uh, number 45. That was September 1963. He is actually a guy, uh, a, a viewer who's watching a race that Tony is in, and he rescues Tony after he crashes. This is the 500-mile Speedway Classic, and uh, I feel like they pull a little bit of that vibe into Iron Man 2. But um, but we wouldn't know because according we to us, know. that movie doesn't exactly. exist yet. <laughs> right. But um, he is introduced as Harry Hogan. And he says, down at Stillman's gym, they nicknamed me Happy, mostly because no one ever caught me with a smile, which I think is a, wah, a pretty wah. funny thing. And pretty much yeah. through the comic, he consistently almost never smiles. So it, it was a fun little character. And uh, it's nice to see him thrown in here 
as uh, as the character. I like seeing John Favreau playing him. Oh yeah, it, it's fun seeing those little. Oh, like hey, there's the director, and there's another little character from. It, it's nice when you see effort being made to put in little things like that into these movies, especially early on when we're coming from an era where not a lot of care was put into some comic book movies and to see, Oh, these little uh, characters that if you've read the comic, you would know this, or you would catch that little reference. Uh, that was really fun to hunt for those things. When these movies first came out, I, I need a little bit of comic education because I I'm not as up as it sounds like both of you guys are on the comic uh, lore was happy Hogan, a a bigger deal in the comic uh, relationship? Did he play a larger role than Tony's butler here? If if I recall, and uh, I, I for some, I may be totally wrong, but I think he, he actually is the one in the comic that ends up marrying Pepper. That, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. Really? Yeah. It, it's yeah. Pepper and, and Tony divert have diverged a long time ago, and uh, it, or actually, I don't even remember the comics if they ever had a thing. They probably did since they did in the movie, but I think they did have a thing early on because they actually are introduced in the same issue, uh, okay. um, and and she comes to work for him and. And he rescues him and, and Tony's like, hey, why don't you come work for me as a as a bodyguard? And um, and they they kind of and, and Pepper and Happy don't like each other. It's the typical sort of, you know, they hate each other until they love each other <laughs> sort of storyline that they have. But it's, it's actually a really interesting storyline. And Happy is uh, consistently through uh, the story through, I think, the bulk of the Tales of Suspense uh, comics. Um, and I think finally what happens is he and Pepper get married and they decide that having, because they're involved in a lot of things, they they get themselves kind of caught up in the action, if you will, through some of the issues and, and put in harm's way. And Iron Man, uh, aka Tony, are always has to feel like he has to save them. And they don't want him to have to feel like he has to keep saving them. So they move to Chicago and they're kind of out of the storyline for quite a long time until Happy is actually captured by somebody i can't remember who it is who's and and they bring him in as a lure to get tony and and almost gets killed and after that like pepper she just like has it out with tony and that was kind of like uh, i i don't know i honestly don't know what happens after that but it sounded like it's kind of the end of the relationship i was worried that this was going to be that was an answer that was going to end with and then happy hogan became iron man so, uh, but it sounds like we never went that down that road <laughs> just because it was his turn you know right, right. right. there was a line and eventually there were an awful happy. lot of suits right <laughs> Uh, no, it's, you know, it, it, he's a great character and it's going to be fun to kind of watch him progress uh, over the course of the films. And, you know, his backstory in the comics, he was a boxer. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, if they bring that in. I guess I'll, I'll say it like that without uh, without hinting to anything in particular. <laughs> um, we, we have a little nod to the uh, to the Iron Man uh, TV show theme song again when we cut to uh, cut to the Vegas craps table. And uh, that music works so well for the playboy tony stark it's just this jazzy fun uh, bit of music and it works nicely with this scene no you're right i love it i love the horn section i love everything that comes in and they just change it around again uh it's uh it's great and now i really want to go watch that tv show i only watched the actual opening credits with the song on youtube and after watching some of that animation i'm like you know i don't know if i really need to go back and watch the old <laughs> tv show <laughs> Little um, audio cues like that reminded me of just when um, Spider-Man Homecoming came out and I'm sitting there in the theater and and suddenly this awesome orchestral version of the old Spider-Man theme starts playing and I about came out of my chair 
and the people because <laughs> I was so excited I, and the people next to me that had come with me were looking at me like what is wrong with you and I was that's, the that's the theme from the old cartoon and they're like okay so, <laughs> you'll never understand me you'll never understand me um, so but you guys know what I'm getting at it was a oh, good yes. moment oh yes <laughs> well and, and that was like oh, that was why they had that moment in uh, the first Spider-Man too that I just totally loved when they have like that little street performer kind of singing the song mm-hmm. right after Spider-Man makes his debut and everybody's uh, talking about him and I was like oh there it is it was so fantastic to have that moment thank you Sam mm-hmm do you guys have anything else with this minute or are we kind of uh are we ready to talk i think i'm good again ryan thank you so much for joining us today oh i had a blast oh uh, and do you want to shout out where people can find you yeah uh, at i ryan dalton uh on twitter uh ryan dalton on instagram if you prefer to follow people that way uh i am uh, author of the time shift trilogy the year of lightning's the first one they're uh sci-fi time travel mysteries uh available pretty much anywhere and um i think they're a pretty good time so uh yeah go try it out fantastic all right everybody well that's it for today's show thank you so much for tuning in make sure you subscribe to the show for free over at marvelmovieminute.com join us over in our discord chat room and of course follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at the next reel if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel Until next time, true believers. Mm